0: The San Antonio Public Library podcast team, Tuned In, presents Esports in San Antonio series.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Edward, the San Antonio Public Library Tuned In podcast team. Today, I have two representatives from the Esports Committee. We have Cassie and we have Gina. Hello. Our, Our special guests today are representing Port SA and Geekdom. Charles, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. Thanks
2: for having me, Edward. Uh, I'm Charles Wooden, CEO of Geekdom. Uh, been, uh, part of Geekdom now for, uh, just over three years and, uh, excited to be a part of the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And Constance, how about you?
3: Yes. I'm Constance McCafferty and I'm one of the crew chiefs here at Plus One Robotics. <laughs>
4: And last but not least, Will. And Will Garrett here. Um, I run cybersecurity development for Port San Antonio. For those of you who don't know, Port San Antonio is a former Kelly Air Force Base, a 1,900-acre property on the southwest side of town that's working to redevelop the former Air Force Base and build an applied technology campus. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Today we want to continue our conversation. We had a panelist
1: discussion regarding the future of esports and we want to sort of touch base on some topics we didn't, weren't able to elaborate on. And my first question to you would be, what foundation is needed for San Antonio to be a viable esports community? What's the infrastructure we need? we talked about how it's possible that kids may not have the bandwidth, players may not have the bandwidth, they may not have the equipment. What do we need to make this available to our community to make San Antonio a contender in the esports arena?
4: Um, I can jump in there, Edward, and this is uh, Will Garrett. I think that's, there's a lot of answers to that question my mind, I think at, at one point from a foundation standpoint, it is having a gaming community. And I think San Antonio actually already has a fairly substantial and large gaming community um, compared to other cities of our size, whether that's measured by people participating in gaming competitions, whether it's you know, household purchases of games. If you look at the stats for San Antonio, we have a sizable gaming community. Now you mentioned two other components that I think um, some of us on this call and a broader group of community members are working to build, and that's the infrastructure, and then kind of what I'd call the access. And on the infrastructure side, I think it's often why San Antonio gets overlooked. Is if you look at the number of you know land gaming cafes and places for gamers to go and compete, hold you know small hundred-person competitions, and have a place for networking amongst that community. We have some great standouts like LFG Cyber Cafe and other community members that have you know become hot spots for that community, but probably not enough when you look at the total size of the, the gaming community in San Antonio. I think a lot of us are working on how do we creatively, especially now during this pandemic time, how do we create ways for this community to interact? And once we're past this and more in a person-to-person area, how do we create places? I think either at Geekdom and Charles will talk about it or what we're doing at Port, physical places for this community to get together. Um, and then the third thing you mentioned, which, it, which is a big aspect in gaming, um, it's been said many times, frames win the game, and so that has to do with the hardware available to players, whether they're going PC-based or console-based gaming, and the bandwidth they have. And that gets into a kind of what would be a deeper hole of San Antonio and a deeper conversation and bandwidth access and broadband capabilities and who in our community has that access. And so I think a lot of us in the broader tech community are working to figure out how do we ensure people that are passionate about gaming, whether that's making a run at being a professional gamer or whether that's using their skills and talents from gaming to transition that into an education and or a career, how do we make sure we offer them the opportunity to play on the best type of equipment with the fastest bandwidth available and level the playing field? I can talk more specifically to the port and what we're doing in a little bit, but I think overall for a foundation, we have the critical thing we can't build, and that is the talent. It's here, and there's a large gaming community, and I think a lot of us are focused on how do we build the right infrastructure and ensure the bandwidth and capabilities are there to give every San Antonio that wants to participate in this the right opportunity level playing field with people around the world that are engaging space.
1: Great answer. Thank you for that. Charles, would you like to chime in also?
4: Yeah,
2: I mean, I agree with everything Will just said. I think that those are really core pieces of the foundation that, that uh, you know, we have some of them and, and, you know, with the work that Will and the Port are doing, I think we're going to get some more uh, with the, you know, eSports arena that you guys are creating over there. I I also think that one of the other things that we need as a foundation is, is, it takes all of us to really demystify, uh, what esports is to some of the, uh, you know, not in the know individuals. And I, I think that that's one of those things where we're starting to see a groundswell of individuals who are moving towards esports as a viable option to either find the talent that the company needs, the organization needs, starting to see the military be a lot more interested in it. I think that that this that the people that are interacting with this, the people who know about it, who are watching the streams and are playing the games. Uh, that's the future talent that these companies, that the innovation that needs to happen in the future that, that they're looking for. Engaging the esports community that does exist, as Will said, you know, very prominently here in San Antonio, I think is a really key piece to that. Um, you know, digital divide, as, as Will had said, is another big piece. Uh, you, you always have to be addressing that because this is an opportunity for, uh, anybody. And that's one of the best things about it is that anyone can engage in esports at a, at a not too expensive rate. Um, and so I really think it's, it's promotion, demystification for. Um, you know, maybe some of the other companies or individuals who are looking into esports, and then it's also just outreach to uh, individuals who may not have that opportunity and trying to get them the opportunity. Um, you know, just excited that we're having these conversations, and and I think that that's a key piece. And once we're able to be more physically engaged, that's where you know Will and I think myself uh, come in to really assist and open up our spaces for these types of events and getting that bandwidth for
1: events or Constance Would you like to add to that?
3: Right. Um. So I've, <laughs> I'm not entirely familiar with uh, the eSports scene when I, uh, for San Antonio specifically, um, I do know that I know that I would have enjoyed having that when I was much younger. <laughs> Um just being able to have access to some kind of you know better computer system, better internet connection, and I think there are a couple of um cyber sports cafes that I had uh, passed on by, and knowing that if I had just had those, I would have been able to just t- to have access to all that um would have really kind of been a kind of enrichment uh even socially just within the confines of the hobbies that I was trying to curate. Uh, I think that is kind of important to have so if anything, that's something that we could look into expanding just to make ourselves, you know, more uh, on the market for that as far as the city of San Antonio.
1: Yeah. You touch base on a, on a perfect aspect of because. Because of COVID, and Gina and Cassie could agree with me, in the Library, we have computers across the city. We have 30 locations have computers, and our computers are full of kids playing Minecraft, playing Roblox, or they're watching streamers. They're watching all these different things because we have the infrastructure. It's not great, but we do have the good opportunity to see sports, to play those sports. And now with COVID, because the shutdowns, they don't have the opportunity. And we have another panelist. We have shenanigans and Texas Gaming Empire, and they offer the same things for their gaming cafes. But it's just we need to have more accessibility for these kids or these players to have the ability to be competitive in the field. That's why I think it's a big aspect of because there's not a lot of awareness of it. And so that's why we came with the Central Library with the Esports Committee to make the community aware of it. And we're happy that y'all are here to see how we can expand that. Awareness to get more people involved in it. We're really do appreciate that.
2: No, and, I, and I'm appreciative of what you guys are doing as well. I think I think that that's a key piece uh, to the foundation is having the availability and access to those things. I also think that uh, for us, it's identifying and engaging the the right crowd and letting them know about these resources. And I think that that's one of those things that we collectively as a group can do uh, better at. And letting them know, like, hey, there are these amazing things happening at the port. There's amazing things happening all over the place. There's access in every library. Those types of things. I think that we. We really need to collectively as a group push more towards because the next steps of the foundation are being built and 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 we need to start illuminating that and shining a light and, and explaining it uh so that we can get more engagement and i
4: would add oh sorry go for it.
2: <laughs> i was gonna add to charles
0: Um, You know, creating that awareness and expansion that that is happening in the library world when it comes to esports and the technology that goes along with esports, because it's ever growing, it's ever expanding, you know, it's never at a point where it's at a standstill and you can catch up. So, you know, having a library organization provide that kind of emerging technology for free and open to the public is something that many library organizations around the nation are looking into. Um, I want to say San Antonio is on the cusp of that, but the uh, closest library that I can give a perfect example of is uh, the Austin Public Library. They actually do have gaming console, uh, gaming PCs, personal computers that um, teens could use to play those really heavy graphic sort of um you know ram extensive games that a lot of the esports competitors uh, used to compete with so you know we it, it is happening in the library community in the library um organization it's just it's it's taking time to get there um to create that kind of foundation and i know uh will will was going to add something
4: um, so I'll let him go so, no, no, thank you, no, not at all that was great And I think I echo what Charles said in terms of all our general community appreciation for what the public library is doing and try to kind of push the boundaries of the traditional view of what a public library system can do and the value can add to the community, Um but some of the uh, kind of the awareness that Charles was talking about in Edwards and talk, talking about is important and really from the port side, it's probably the, the angle on gaming or professional eSports that excites us the most and it and it does talk to the infrastructure need and the bandwidth need and the availability and awareness but it's like any professional sport you know the top 1% are going to be able to actually make a living off of being a professional in that sport Um, and if any of those listeners have been tracking eSports I mean if you're one of the top 1% you can make a great living but I think the exciting thing for San Antonio outside of fostering that top level professional gamer is the alignment of those skill sets and whether that's in actually the playing the game type skill sets, whether that's developing the IP, the backbone, a lot of these engines. And it's that alignment of those skill sets of the talent to career opportunities. And whether that is the growing number of colleges and universities across the nation and some locally here in San Antonio that are developing esports programs, offering scholarships for those type of students, and the way that those can create pathways into careers. Or if you just think about our driver industries, the military is a massive one whether that's on the healthcare side of the military, the cybersecurity, the aerospace side, and the defense industrial base that supports them, are very strong and growing biotech industry. Um, and Obviously, we have Plus One on the line, which is a shiny example, you know, worldwide, but definitely out of San Antonio, of artificial intelligence embedded into robotics, and manufacturing, and supply chain logistics. All of those companies are looking for the type of talent that may sit there late at night with Edward and I and play Street Fighter Two. Um, And they're definitely looking for the type of talent that helps develop League of Legends, Call of Duty, and Fortnite, those type of back-end, you know, the intellectual property side of gaming. And so the exciting point for us is how do we use gaming and kind of help be a part of, from the port perspective, how do we be a part of building the foundational blocks that, Edward, you asked about initially, and then really show the alignment for the youth of San Antonio that gaming and the skill sets and the passion for that can lead to careers and there's an open-ended number of companies in San Antonio looking to connect with you and that's what I think is really exciting for San Antonio you see a lot of these industries even within this last six months of a pandemic and interesting economic times, We have a lot of industries that have been thriving within San Antonio and those are the exact type of industries that are looking for this talent and if we give them a place to go, we call attention to it and that's what you all are doing so good with the Sears and the Public Library. We're excited about the kind of matchmaking, talent recruitment, retention that can happen from the youth of San Antonio. They're growing up and deciding where they want to start a career and what they want to pursue and we want them to stay here and get jobs at some of these high-tech companies.
1: Well, I thank you for bringing that point because as you mentioned in the, the panels discussion and U.S. Robotics mentioned that it's hands-on keyboard. That skill set that gamers have helps the cybersecurity, helps the robotics industry, helps all those high-tech industries because they're able to adapt hands-on keyboard to be efficient in their new jobs. Even though you might not be the top Street Fighter player, you might not be the League of Legends best player, you have the skill set that will make you viable in the career and that's another thing you need to look at because everyone's not going to be Tom Brady everyone's not going to be LeBron but somebody can always be there to help LeBron be there to coach LeBron and that's another aspect we need to look at
4: oh you're absolutely right and actually um Constance, one of your team members on our, on our panel discussion had some amazing analogies about the gamer and how that type of talent is applicable, whether it's at a plus one or at a cybersecurity company or advanced robotics company. And just, you know, when you draw comparisons to how eyeballs and brains read screens and hands on keyboard and reaction times and ability to analyze data and situation, it was a fantastic analysis of the exact type of things that a lot of people are looking for. Born computer science grad, cybersecurity grad, and so I, I think it's very true. But at the same time, I think there is an education component, and that's really what this public library series, I think, helps add to in the community. And it's an education po- component into the homes, and to the parents that may have a you know son or daughter that's staying up till two in the morning playing video games. And um, the the education is that those type of skill sets and that passion area and the things that make them good at that can really lead to an open ended number of possibilities least from a career standpoint. But it takes a lot to educate a marketplace and you know, parents that may never played a video game in their life. And I think that's the opportunity we have in San Antonio with industries that are looking for that talent, talent that's looking for a career path. I think we're collectively working on how do we play matchmaker both physically and virtually through these type of environments and creating those connections.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to kind of expand on that, um, if I could, it's... <laughs> If I had known that my hobby for video gaming would have given me, you know, the option to have a job that I basically could just transfer the skills that I was learning out of a like a hunger to have an exciting and fulfilling hobby, you know, like playing the PlayStation until the early hours in the morning, you know. (laughs) When I'm supposed to be in bed as a kid, you know, if I had known that that would have been something in my future, you know, I probably would have played even more, if I'm being honest, you know, and uh, having, I won't even say, you know, the computer gamers are the ones that are going to be transferring the easiest, but as somebody who actually isn't a PC gamer, I'm actually more of a console side, you know, a controversial hot take. But uh, it still applies. It absolutely still applies. So um I think I'd like to think that I'm some kind of perhaps inspiration because uh I actually don't have a background in any engineering or tech industry. I'm actually an English major. And so being able... <laughs> To be here at Plus One as a crew chief and getting, like, this is my job. I get to tell the robot what to do, where to go, if it did a good job. You know, a lot of the the requests that come through that I get as crew chief on my computer screen, it just wants to know, "Did did I do it right? And then I say yes, and we move on to the next cycle. Letting kids and teens know that this is a possibility for them, that they get to just do this and make money off of that, I think is absolutely invaluable to know that their futures can be secure, knowing that they can have a hobby like this that, yes, maybe their parents won't quite understand. Um, but for them to say, hey, you know, look at this girl Constance over at Plus One down at Port Authority. This is what she gets to do. She doesn't even have an extensive background. You know, I worked at a couple gaming stores, if I'm being honest, I sold some video games Games, you know, I know uh, that's kind of kind of what you do. And, you know, you're working that part time job in college and such. But um, this is what I get to do full time. And I love every minute of it. So uh, if I could spread that word through this podcast, that's, that's all the better for it.
2: Yeah. And if I could just reiterate, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, Constance. And, and Will, I think you brought up a good point. I think maybe one of the main audiences here are parents. You know, I mean, I think when, when, when I was growing up and I'm sure it sounds like Constance and I'm sure will you as well, uh, we probably played. We don't play like the kids play now. Um, and, and the parents are probably harping on them the same way that they harped on me, uh, when I was playing and, and there's a clear value to it now that needs to be highlighted for the parents to understand that this is a viable way to improve the talents that are needed for the careers that exist now and that will exist in the future. Uh, and I, and you know, I, I sit here and I think, about the space you know geekdom that i have the luxury of 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 helping lead here and and we've had a a groundswell community of you know land parties that have existed over the past nine years that we've been in existence and and the gaming has always been a part of this community it's always a part of the technology and and giving these uh parents and and the younger kids the awareness that it exists everybody's doing it and this is this is how you get a pathway into it and access to it Uh, um that's that's what we need to do and and that's, that's why I think what you guys are doing here is so powerful.
3: So I have a question very specific to, for Constance. Um, I really enjoyed your response, Constance, because um, similar to you, I'm not a PC gamer I am exclusively with consoles and I've been playing video games since I was a child but for you because you've done such a big change um, being an English major and now being in 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 the tech world do you ever do any recruiting for for jobs and if you are a part of recruiting do you bring that awareness do you come across young people or anyone looking for a job with your company that that may not may not be the ideal ideal fit but you do know that their hobbies are well aligned with their company so I have been that's a good question actually I have been part of um, a bit of the hiring process here at plus one to kind of at least screen the calls for when we're trying to take on new crew chiefs specifically and for me to train them um, and yes they may not be tech inclined so to speak but because we are trying to make this, Um, something pretty much anyone can pick up. We're trying to make this as intuitive as possible. You know, you have your computer screen, we've got our visual, we've got our audio cues, and anybody that can sit there and be trained for a day or two, you can tell right away whether they're picking it up or not. And we try to have this fine-tuned as well as we can so that even people, again, who don't play games, who maybe are a little older and so they're, you know, they're not quite familiar with technology as much as possible, you know, but it's as easy as we possibly can make it to say, okay, you've got the screen here, whenever it has a picture, and then you say, is this correct or is it not? It's a if A, then B, you know, kind of thing. And it's just very kind of simple thinking, not simplistic, but just, you know, very straightforward. But again, anyone can do this. I feel like, you know, as someone who is a liberal arts major, uh, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And that's kind of the idea that I really want to get across to people is that you don't necessarily even have to be hard core gamer to have interest in something like this because again, if I had known that this is something that would have been possible for me, I probably would have searched out plus one or a similar company years ago. (laughs) And so that, that is something that we absolutely keep in mind is like, we want to make this end user friendly, but here's the kicker. If you do have experience with video games or video game is your hobby, you get, you get an automatic advantage. You know that, Hey, this is familiar. My hands are on a keyboard and this mouse and it's like playing a crane game, for example, or some kind of arcade game, and you have a win state, you have, you know, a timer counting down, you have all this stuff that is gathered together that, you know, again, um, once you're trained on it properly, and I would be the one training um, that anybody can pick that up.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And Charles, I have a question for you. Um, During our podcast of of the the podcast, during our video um, for the future of esports, we spoke to you with one of your colleagues, Joyce, and we mentioned she she was very involved in creating and developing and um, recruiting a lot of people from San Antonio within the local esports community. Does Geekdom have anything upcoming or going on right now that people that are interested in esports or e- anything esports related would be interested in or um, you would like to talk about?
2: Yeah, I mean, great, great point. Uh, I'll start by saying, Joyce, just amazing so glad to have her on our team Uh, she was one of the you know big pieces Uh, her and I worked pretty long uh, on the idea of hosting a um, what is esports you know educational series to really help people understand uh, what's really happening here and we've seen some great success from that Uh, We had plans, I would say pre-COVID, to to host a handful of different tournaments from the space uh, that were unfortunately put on hold. Uh, We did have a virtual LAN party that we participated in in our community, participated in that I think just took place at the beginning of the month. Uh, that was really fun. Um, and so we're, we're trying to plan out when it is, uh, you know, safe and secure to continue to, to rethink those, uh, events in the physical space or how do we socially distance among the floors that we have here? Um, but right now we, the, the biggest thing that we're trying to get off the ground is, is we are repurposing one of our, uh, spaces down in the basement for an esports, uh, I don't want to call it an arena because it's not, it's more like a, an esports lounge, I, w- I would call it. And so we've got some equipment where we, we started to put in there, we need to finalize, and then that would be a place where a handful of people could go in, uh, you know, play or train or whatever they really want to and just make it a part of their membership here where they have the ability to kind of engage in that space and make it as, you know, low friction as possible for for them to participate. And uh, I think it's something that's, you know, really needed right now and, and um, you know, as much as we can bring it to the forefront and, and offer it as an as an option, I think is, is really what we want to do and then i think it's all also on us to continue to help the rest of the community understand uh the other great things that are happening in our city and, and how to get engaged um so that, that's really our focus moving forward and, and to continue to try to get some tournaments off the ground i think that those are the best way to start getting there is excitement behind this
0: i know that the library just like you we were, we were initially planning these really big in-person events And then COVID-19 happened and we had to pivot. Are you seeing an easy transition from in-person to, you know, virtual, um, setups for a lot of your, your events and programs?
2: Yeah. I think, you know, just high level for us in general, we made a, we, you know, just as you said, we had to make a really quick pivot. We shifted all of our in-person workshops to virtual. We shifted our pitch competitions to virtual, all the things that GeekM does on a day-to-day basis we've done. Um, and I think that that's the next frontier is really figuring out this e-sports thing in a virtual way. And our first endeavor into that was partnering with, uh, the, I think it's called San Ann land, uh, and it's the San Antonio, uh, land party. And, and so myself and a handful of other people on our team, uh, participated in that in our community as well. And I think that those are the things that as we experience, we can start learning lessons and start applying here for our community and the greater community as a whole, uh, as a easy pathway virtually into this world. And uh, I definitely think for myself right now, the game that I'm really playing all too much, and, and just to take a second as well, I was a, a console player up until literally COVID-19. And then I decided to build out my my first PC since I was in high school, to be honest with you and uh, since then I've been playing Warzone like crazy so that's my game of choice at the moment and I uh, I'm just so into it so I would love to try to host uh, a tournament of sorts or something like that uh, that we could do virtually and if you guys are interested, uh you know, Constance or Will, let me know. Maybe we can get a joint effort going here.
1: Is that Call of Duty Warzone? Yes
2: sir. Oh, I played it every night. Just... Uh, me too. We should uh we should connect. Definitely. If
4: I play on P- I mean, ps 4. Who, who who are we kidding? Edward's playing it right now, Charles. <laughs> Actually I'm not <laughs> Rick and Morty's on right now. Ricky Morty's on it keeps well,
2: me focused. Ed, well Edward there's no worry what what platform you play on. It has cross crossplay play capability. Uh we have a whole Whole smattering of, of friends of mine, probably about eight or ten of us that play, and I give every given night. And uh, there's a handful of PS4, uh, there's a handful of PC, and a handful of Xbox that all play. So we can we can make it work.
1: We're definitely going to make it work, definitely. Gina, you had a question?
3: No, I asked mine already. <laughs> I thought you had another
1: one. I have a question. but I wanted to let everybody speak, will Stephanie send us the link to the Innovation Center? Could you please talk about that?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited about launching um, what we kind of have referred to for the past eighteen months as an Innovation Center on the Ports campus. And two weeks ago, our board uh, approved the financial package and final design build contract for this center. And so, in a nutshell, it's a hundred thirty thousand square foot center designed. In one part as an amenity um, and resource for our campus. And that's for the nearly 90 companies that employ somewhere over 14,000 people on the campus. And that's why the center has a full-scale food and beverage facility, or a food hall or catering options for campus customers, but is co-located within the center. Kind of two com- key components. One is a technology arena, and the other is a new home for the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology, and the tech transfer commercialization area. Uh, to really help you know the future plus ones of the world uh, launch and create cool companies on our campus. Um, and uh, adjacent to the Food Hall and Technology Arena itself will be a 24-7 land gaming center. And we say that most people say, do you really mean 24-7? And we actually do. Uh, by the nature of our customers on the campus, whether that's the aerospace customers, the Defense Department customers, a lot of those operations run 24-7, 365. And so we want to have access for conversation, you, know, you Edward, and Charles Charles, we're just having about late night gaming and we want to make sure our customers can come in and sit down in front of the best hardware and have the best bandwidth and play video games if they want, whether that's three in the morning or three in the afternoon. And the technology arena is really exciting. Um, multi configuration so that you could host everything from a formal kind of entertainment event, concert, comedy show of sorts. You can flat floor it and host industry conferences. Uh, I think about things like first robotics, maybe not their larger robotics events. But when you think about First Lego League, First Tech Challenge, some of the smaller events that deal with smaller robotics, it would be a place for them to be held in San Antonio. And then it will be custom built to also host and stream esports competitions. And so we're excited about the arena as an amenity for the community writ large to build on what Charles is doing at Geekdom and a lot of other places as a facility that can really attract those regional type esports competitions. Uh, I think long term when you, when at least I think about San Antonio and one of the things we're really good at is hosting conventions, conferences and events. We do, you know, a ton of that downtown through the Alamo Dome, the convention center and of course the AT&T center. I think one of the reasons we may not be top of mind as a community when you think about the larger esports competitions that may go to New York or LA or Seattle or Philadelphia is we don't have some of the infrastructure that builds up the regional momentum and shows that you can put 2,500 people in an arena to a you know, a Call of Duty event and so we're excited about that as a as a asset for the greater San Antonio region helps us attract some of these events kind of raise the profile of what I talked about earlier the larger gaming community here and in the entire center itself is you know our boss and CEO Jim Pershbach who if you were on this call he'd chime in and say well he's a PC guy Um, I'd probably side with Charles um, Constance and talking more console based uh, but as a whole, it is a gathering point. It is a way to connect people to opportunity, connect education to talent, connect buyers and sellers. And how do we do that effectively is, you know, provide a place that that talent wants to be and those buyers can come and see emerging technology and the academic institutions can come and talk to parents and students about here, the pathways and the careers. And so we're very excited about the center. Um, I think one thing that gets lost a lot when you talk about you know esports, entertainment, a lot of things that have come out in the press releases and media around it, is the real core mission is around talent and education and workforce development. It goes to the heart of what the port's mission is, that is both redeveloping former Kelly Air Force Base, which arguably over the last 20 years has been one of, if not the most successful base redevelopment in the nation, but it is how do we provide greater economic opportunity for, frankly, first and foremost, the geographic region around the port? How do we show middle schoolers and high schoolers and their parents that there's a path for them to go work? at a Boeing. There's a path for them to go work at a Northrop Grumman or how do we showcase people like Eric Nieves um, and Sean at Plus One and what they've done with AI and robotics or Roxanne Ramirez, Jesse Hernandez, CNF and IP Secure, respectively, local homegrown talent um, that not necessarily grew up and were in the cybersecurity space but now have amazingly competitive global cybersecurity companies based out of here. And so a lot of it is about education, both geographically Actually, around San, or uh, the Port San Antonio, but further around the whole community of how do we maybe for the case of this conversation use esports and gaming as a way to attract talent, attract families, attract companies and academic institutions. Just bring that together because I'm a huge believer, and I, I mean absolutely know Charles is um, and what Geekdom's been able to do in terms of fostering dozens and dozens of new product startups in San Antonio. But the talent is in San Antonio, and I've seen it firsthand youth that get excited and energetic and a lot of it's just us helping foster that talent and ultimately keep that talent here as opposed to letting it go elsewhere and so we are very excited about the Innovation Center. I appreciate you asking about it Edward and I think it's one part of the puzzle and the effort and the strategy for the, the broader region but it will definitely be an important asset coming online to kind of shine a light and give a focal point in some sense to the broader gaming community here.
0: And well, I just want to say you, you mentioned education and you know Having that sort of environment to foster a lot of the growth for eSports, that is one of our upcoming eSport panelist topics. And we there are emerging eSport high school level leagues that are developing here in San Antonio. We reached out to some schools and we were able to get a hold of um, high school students that have developed their own eSports teams. Uh, we've been in regular talks with St. Mary's University, Texas A&M, San Antonio. And so just getting all of those people together and talking about, like, what they, you know, what they need for to recruit, you know, building that foundation, like Edward said, and expanding sort of the reach of esports here in San Antonio. So um, I like just to add that you mentioned uh, education, and we're right on the the cusp of, of that panelist discussion it's a nice little segue.
4: No, and that's it. And Cassie, I would just add, I think it's it's a great point. And you guys highlighting what's happening here locally. Um, and I kind of liken it, and I don't think we're there yet as a nation, but computer science is a career field, uh, data science. And you'll hear a lot of people in the tech space kind of talk about computer science as a language and think about, at least for me, when I went through high school, you had your choices of foreign languages. And if you're in certain career tracks, you, know, you needed to choose a foreign language. But I think a lot. A lot of us believe computer science should be part of that. That that is a language. I know our own congressman from San Antonio, Will Hurt, always talks about it. If you don't know that language, then you are you're setting yourself up to be not as successful in the future because how it horizontally permeates almost every industry today. And so while we're not there yet on computer science, I would say there's this emerging area of gaming and esports that if you are a, a high school, if you're a school district, if you especially if you're a college and university, and you are not thinking about how you tap into the talent that is passionate in that area, create scholarship programs, create programs around it. Even if it's starting at kind of a club, a you know, student organized level, I think you should is long story short. And so it's exciting to see universities and colleges, even high schools in San Antonio starting to get those programs in place because they're already there. A lot of it's informal, um, but again, it gives an area for them to formally support and recruit that type of talent. And then as we always think about it from a community development economic development standpoint, it gives different belly buttons and touch points for industry to easily plug in and talk to, you know, tomorrow's workforce, today's youth about the opportunities that they could have of transitioning that sort of talent out into the workforce. So that's yeah, very exciting. And I look forward to that upcoming session. You
1: Thank you. I just want to circle back because we've talked a lot about the education. We have the arena. What's the ETA on the arena in an innovation center?
4: Sure. And so, I mean, ETA would be uh, early... 2022, Edward. Awesome. So ultimately through construction, opening, and now that our, our bull, our board uh, made the decision to go to approve that package, which from a San Antonio standpoint, it's a big bet. It's a $60 million package on a very non-traditional real estate play for the port. We feel passionately about it and it aligns to our vision and the board has supported that vision. And so we're excited about it and we're moving as quickly as possible to get it online and operational and look forward really to collaborating both with industry partners like Plus one to ensure. How do we plug them into what we're doing in that center? And then efforts like Charles and what they're ha- what's happening downtown across the whole tech district, but really led by the Nanselated Geek Town. On how do we? It's not about the port. It's really about San Antonio, and this will be one significant asset. But I think somewhere we have always, in my mind, exceeded the ability of other cities is collaboration, and we have a highly collaborative community. And I think that's what I've at least seen in the past sessions. You all have done from the public libraries to so really bringing together and highlighting that collaboration across the community where you take the logo off your shirt and figure out what's best for San Antonio. And I think this one specific topic that you all highlighted very well of bringing together the very diverse community around gaming and esports and... Our general willingness and, you know, aggressive strategy of let's work together to double down on this capability and help move San Antonio forward like it.
1: Right. And as they say, if you build it, they will come. And I believe once we get the arena built, it will make San Antonio a forerunner in the state of Texas and maybe nationally in the esports arena. And that right there's a great aspect that y'all are bringing for us. in the education aspect from Geekdom, it just brings a bigger collaboration. It makes us a much stronger base and community to be esports contender.
2: Yeah, if I could absolutely. Try it Quick too. I, I <clears throat> sorry, well, Go ahead. The one thing that I wanted to say is I, I think now that Will and, and Team have announced
4: and and have
2: a have an ETA, I think it's really time that we collaboratively as a community put focus on uh, the creation and support of a team uh, here in San Antonio. That uh, you know I think the education endeavors are are a very key piece to that, but I think that we need to show what that next level looks like. And you know finding the you know the Phase Clan of San Antonio or the Houston Outlaws of San Antonio and, and really like us collaboratively as a community promoting them uh showing people the, the route into it and and I think that that's something that now that we know that we have this hub that that you know the port is creating that we need to start fueling uh, a team that we can all get behind uh, that's you know a representative a representation of our community diverse uh you know into and, and a lot of different things and I feel like that's that's really the next step uh, that we need to turn our focus to knowing that uh, will and team are doing their I think it's time for the
1: rest of us to really get together and figure out uh, how we support and create a team. That's a great point. We all have to work together to build this community and keep it going. So when the a- arena is built, we'll be able to fill that arena and be successful with it.
2: Well, and have a seat at the arena, too. Let's be honest. We don't want to just be hosting that is very uh, true. Know, all the other teams there. We want to be great great represent- you know great- a great representative of the city. Uh, and the ability and the talent that we know exists here so I, I really do think that it's 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 time and maybe will this is something you and i should take on as a part of uh, some of our other boards or duties uh, to figure out how we how we get some money and, and uh, support behind the creation of a team like this
1: it's very true we don't want anyone to come in our yard and take our trophies very very true
4: yeah charles i couldn't agree more that that's you know one of the exciting things i think in the future is the san antonio based team and you know, i think it comes at the right time when you look at least from a United States standpoint. The the teams have largely, you know, they're based out of the publishers. And by and large, even some of the most well-known brands, you take New York, Excelsior, and Overwatch League, you know, they can do a pop-up shop in Brooklyn and have a line of 500 people out the door, four days, constant running. Yet they're based like all the teams are in Southern California. And so I think the leagues themselves as esports is expanding, is realizing what any professional league does, especially the major professional. Leagues that it's important to have a physical presence in a home and an arena and a practice facility and a brand connection with a community. And so, you know, Overwatch was the first league and you know, it's, it's clear that other big titles are looking at how do we start actually having our physical home in the communities that we call home. And so it's, I, I would argue, a great time for San Antonio to be on this strategic trajectory as well because it aligns with the publishers starting to expand even the home and away games where they actually have their teams in the home city and so I couldn't agree more, Charles. I think that's a you know, a bright spot in terms of the future sports in San Antonio is a team, you know, that we can latch on to. That's our home team. And any of the listeners don't already believe San Antonio can aggressively <laughs> support a home team. I mean, look at what we've done with the Spurs, and I think San Antonio have a community that can get behind our home team. So yeah, that's an exciting piece of our future for sure. Thank you, Will, for that.
1: I want to thank all of y'all for coming in and talking with us. It was a great discussion, very informative, just mind blowing about the things we need to make San Antonio great and we'll include your information in our comments when we post the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to add before we before we leave? I know we touched base on a lot of things but is there anything we may have missed? Constance, see you over there smiling?
3: There we go. I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity and in inviting me. It was uh, extremely fun. That's why I'm smiling so much. i just uh, having a great time being a part of this. so I really appreciate it and I wouldn't mind uh, returning for another time and uh i just i guess uh, in uh, parting words i wanted to say that for anybody listening that thinks that they can't get into robotics and the tech world um i want to tell them that if i can do it you can do it so i hope to see you in the future
1: thank you thank you for that and again thank you all again this is san antonio public library Tuned in podcast team. We have Geek We have Port SA. We have Plus One Robotics all coming to the stage and just giving us a, so much information on how to make San Antonio an esports giant. Thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. Hey, thanks for listening. And get connected on mysapple.org with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Flickr, Instagram. And follow tuned in on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music.